Hey everyone, I am so excited to kind of just share some things um, that have been brewing in my heart um, and that are real, that are real, real deep in my heart. Um, it's been, <laughs> I, I've gone back and forth, honestly, with really sharing it because I want to make sure that um, my heart has gone through the, through the wrestle that it needs to go through in order to, to communicate. Because I think what I'm going to talk about actually um, is something that needs to be talked about, but it's one of those things that needed, needed to be mulled through. Is that the right word? Guess we'll find out. Somebody will let me know. But today, <laughs> hey, boom, I would like to talk about being a Pharisee. Hey guys, I'm Shay, a three-wing two on the Enneagram that finds her home in Atlanta, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to create an ongoing conversation about the tensions of following Jesus in today's culture. Join me and many others as we have conversations that challenge and inspire us to follow Jesus in our day and age. This is just Shayan. This may seem like a hard topic. This may seem like a topic that's out of left field and you're like, what the heck is, where is Shay even going and what is really going on with Shay? Should we pray for Shay? I invite prayer. I always invite prayer. <laughs> I'm so ridiculous. Um, about like a few months ago, pre-corona, pre the world and the craziness of 2020, um, the Lord has been doing something in my heart that's been super deep since probably mid-2019, honestly. That I'm still putting words to. I'm not going to pretend to have all of the words, and I'm not going to pretend to give you all of the answers because I'm learning more and more. The closer you get to the Father, the less answers you actually get, but yet the more trust that you're able to receive and to give to Him. Um, so... I wasn't even trying to say that, but there you go. That was free 99. Woo woo. Uh, but I, yeah, so I would say like February, I could be wrong. Maybe January, February. I started to read a lot in the Gospels about um, the Pharisees, and it kept just popping up in my heart. And I was like, what is going on? Um, this isn't necessarily something I feel like I've gone to the word to really study out. I mean, obviously we know if you've been in church for a week or you've been in church long enough to know something about church, the Pharisees are not the people you want to be. The Sadducees are not the people that you want to be. They're the people that Jesus like turns a table up on. He, they're the people that like or questioning Jesus they're the people that are using the law even against Christ himself and so if you know anything you know essentially like these aren't the people you want to hang out with or be like um, but yeah you know there's the other side of that like they knew their scripture well they would devote their lives to learning the law and learning the the, the book the bible and living according to what they read. And so there's many things about the Pharisees that 
is very relatable. It, honestly, like it is very relatable. And in much way, in many ways, much ways, many ways, bleh, you, you want to devote your life to this thing. And they are very devoted people. Like they are very devoted to this is their belief system. This is the gospel. This is what it looks like lived out. And the, def- the definitions of what that is, they are very devoted to this life of living it out. And so we don't, I'm not, like, please hear my heart. Like I'm not trying to slay Pharisees and Sadducees. I'm not trying to slay priests. That's not my heart in this. But I do want to talk about it because it's a posture of heart that is very defining. And so I want to take us to a scripture in Matthew 16, where Jesus is talking to the disciples and the, the, the tag at the top, the little title actually says leaders demand a a miraculous sign, um, from Christ. And it's talking about how the Pharisees and the Sadducees come to test Jesus and they demand from him like a miraculous sign from heaven to basically prove who he is. That is a preach in itself. I know in my own life, if I'm being transparent here, I have most definitely had moments where Jesus, where I'm like, show me, prove it. Um, show me, remind me. Um, so, but that's not necessarily what I'm trying to lean in on right this second. Um, but basically it talks about how he responds to, um, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees by saying, you know, the saying red sky at night means fair weather tomorrow. Red sky in the morning means foul weather all day. You know how to interpret the weather signs in the sky, but you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times. Shoot. That's not in there. I added that. Only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. Then Jesus left them and went away. Bye. So now later he come, he's talking to his disciples. And it says, later after they crossed to the other side of the lake, which they crossed that lake quite a bit of times, the disciples discovered they had forgotten to bring any bread. And then literally Jesus responds, like out of left field. Watch out, Jesus warns them, beware of the yeast of the Pharisee and the Sadducee. And he starts to begin to talk about like the bread and like you have so little faith. Like, don't you remember me doing what I've done? Don't you understand? Do you, don't you remember the 5,000 that I fed with five loaves and the baskets of leftovers that you took home? Uh, you know, or the 4,000 that were fed with seven loaves and the large baskets of leftovers you took home. Why can't you understand that I'm not talking about actual bread Boom, say again, I say to you, beware of the yeast of the Pharisee and the Sadducee. Then it says, then as they, they, then at last they understood that he wasn't speaking about the yeast and bread, but about the deceptive teaching of the Pharisee and the Sadducees. I've been chewing on this. I've been mulling on it. I've been reading the moments where Jesus confronted the Pharisees and what, I mean, there's so many like sass moments with Jesus, like where like Jesus is like, do you not know the scripture? Do you not know the thing that you've devoted yourself to? 
Do you not know? Have you not read the scripture? Have you not interpreted the scripture? Like, and I'm not saying, you know, like Jesus was like actually being sassy. Like, I don't want to necessarily put that on him because I don't know. But what I'm saying is he's literally attacks the very thing that they've devoted their life to because they're blind. Like the very thing that they preach on, the very thing that they're waiting for, but we're waiting for the Messiah. We're calling him to come. And little do they know Messiah is standing right in front of them. So which tells me you can see with your eyes and still be blind in your heart. Ooh, ooh, help me, Jesus. And so that leads to a conversation that I would like to kind of open up and share. Um, and I'm not going to lie, like this has been very fresh to me. This is not necessarily the... Um, the ideal conversation that like someone just signs up and says, I'm just going to go off the cuff for, but I'm let you know, like I haven't really sat down and prepared my, the context of the, this podcast, like I'm sharing from my heart. Um, and as painful as it is, and it's also beautiful and I'm finding so much joy in the process because if you're looking at your life objectively and you're actually wanting to follow from a pure heart, you're willing for your heart to be checked to really see if it's pure. Um, that'll preach. I wasn't trying to, but there you go. There you have it. I want to give some context to the conversation. Um, because it's just helpful for me and I think it would be helpful for you. Um, there was a moment I, um, I was praying and I had actually was very, very intentional with going to a guest room slash prayer room at my house and laying on my face and really just getting with the father outside of, okay, I'm just going to sit in my living room, read and kind of do the thing around other people walking around and kind of life happening around me. And I was in the guest room slash prayer room slash everything extra storage room. And I was reading this, the parable about the 10 virgins and how they're waiting for this bridegroom to come. And in the parable, it talks about how there was five that had, enough oil and then there was five that ran out of oil but when you read it it talks about how they all started off basically with oil and it said that the bridegroom delayed so five ran out of oil and the other five had enough so the five that ran out of oil basically looked at the other five and asked for oil and they they were like no way jose he's coming (laughs) and so I began to pray in my prayer time, like I was really crying out for the body of Christ. And um, as sad as it is, it was not necessarily a personal moment for me at that second. I was praying for the bride of Christ. I was praying for the nations. I'm praying for oil to be poured out on believers. Um, And again, it wasn't necessarily like, I need oil. I want oil. I mean, I always want oil, but that just wasn't the stature of my heart in that moment. And I just kept saying, like, Lord, like, people that don't have enough oil, like, give them oil. 
And then something shifted, like something shifted in my heart. And I began to go, oh my gosh, what if I'm the one that doesn't have enough oil? And right there in that room, I just begin to break. I begin to go, oh my gosh, I need to really like check in here. Again, this is not to belittle myself. This is not to um, say that I'm in some, you know, dry, dry, barren season. I think truly what would be amazing is if we actually sat and said, where am I actually at? Like not, not living based off what I think I should be, but really sitting and going, okay, where am I? And really checking our hearts. And I, I think that it, that's a common thread in my life. And so that comes out a lot when I preach. It comes out a lot when I share. Is like, where are you actually at versus where you feel like you need to be? Because God's not going to meet you where you need to be. Like God's meeting you where you are. So you got to own up and say, this, this may be where I'm at. And that's the thing with the Pharisees is that like they were not able to see beyond the law. They couldn't see beyond the thing that they had esteemed higher than the Messiah himself. Dang, that was good. Sorry, I'm preaching to myself. Again, this is not um, prepared. I love sharing when I don't necessarily perfect a sermon or put a sermon together because out of that place, the abundance of my heart and all that I've been going through actually gets portrayed versus just a supposed well put together sermon and so I appreciate you all for listening and walking kind of just hearing where I'm at and but I think the key one of the many keys to my the season I've been walking through um is being objective and I think sometimes like we are scared to be objective because we live culturally in a place that is constantly telling us to be somewhere we're not you know when you're 12 you can't wait to be 16 because you can drive and maybe that wasn't the age you know that you could drive at when you were around that time frame but when it was for me 16 was when you could drive so when I was 14 I'm like I want to be 16 and when I was 16 I wanted to be 18 so I could vote and I could be like an alleged individual in you know the eyes of the world because now I'm 18 and you know in my head I think I got it all together Uh, And then when you're 18, you're like, man, I can't wait to be 21 because then I can see if I even want to drink alcohol. And now it's illegal. And even at that point, I'd already done my fair share of doing it illegally. Um, You know, we have these these things that are cultural um, that, you know, whether it's through social media or the news or whatever it could be, or just the people that you're around, even subconsciously feeling like I'm not enough. And so I think something is huge is that as Christians in this time, We need to be objective and say, okay, like, where am I really at? Because the invitation never changes from Christ. And the the invitation is to follow. Period. Follow me. That is what he constantly is telling his disciples. Follow me. Follow me. And he ends the book of John with the words, follow me. And I think we have to look objective. And it sucks. It hurts. It chops our pride. Because we think somewhere that we've arrived and that we have this self-righteousness about us. And when I say us, I mean me. Um, because I can only own up to my own journey. But 
I I want to talk about this because I think that uh, I think if nobody wants to admit that they can relate to being a Pharisee, so I'm just going to break the veil. I'm going to pave the way and be a pioneer and say in this last season, season being way longer than I want it to be, uh, years and especially the last year <laughs> um, specifically, I found myself where my heart didn't feel the same. Oh, it sucks to even admit on here, but here I am. Um, I, I found my love for people um, outwardly felt more like work instead of passion. Um, I felt like I had to play the game. I had to um, do the things that um, church does, and I had to operate the machine, and I had to... Um, you know, all the things, and I'm not even saying all the things are wrong, but I think my heart and all of them had gotten wrong and my heart was getting hard. Um, and it really sucked. And so, and like, obviously the, the prayers keep my heart soft, keep my heart soft, but that's not just the greatest invitation. You just, you know, like not many people are praying that and actually walking it out. I believe there are people, so I don't want to make it sound like it's no one's doing it, but it's not like the prayer that you wake up every day and you say, Lord, bless me. Just be honest. I mean, we pray that probably all the time. We don't even necessarily mean it from an ill heart. But we're definitely not necessarily praying Psalms 24, clean my hands and purify my heart, God. Um, because it hurts and it's real. And it is going to cause conflict in within your own heart. So I started walking this out, realizing that sitting in that room... Um, praying for oil for everyone else, thinking that I was oily. And I stopped and I was like, wait a minute, what if I'm the one that runs out of oil? <gasps> and I just begin to break. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, what if? And not even like a you are, like there's a difference. Like it wasn't like God came down and said, you are this one. It wasn't that. It was just subjective moment of like, wait a second, like, Okay, like pride says I'm not one of those, right? Um, pride says I'm always oily, I always have something great to give. But at the same time, if I'm being objective to my own season, I'm like, man, I don't feel like I'm just overflowing in the abundance of the anointing. I'm just, you know, I'm not. Granted, during some of this quarantine happened, I definitely wasn't feeling no overflow during that time. And so I just began to like really allow my heart to, to get wrenched over this thing. And um, I felt like the Lord, I was reading what I read earlier in Matthew 16. And I really felt like the Lord, ooh, this is like the word. Like people be like, I want a word from God. I want a word from God. And then you get one and you're like, I didn't want that word. I wanted a different word. Um, but I was praying and the Lord reminded me of Matthew 16, where the Pharisees came and asked him to prove himself. And uh, and I was just reading and I'm like, well, that sucks. And I felt like the Lord said the same thing to me that he said to the disciples. Because I am his disciple. So why wouldn't he say it to me? Hey, preach that. Um, he says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. And what we know about yeast, what, you know, we all like bread. We all like bread. Ooh, and you know, Bread needs yeast. <laughs> and so what we know about yeast is that it helps make things rise. It helps things 
um, get bigger and fluffy and, 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 you know, and he says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. And so I started asking myself, like, what is that? What does that mean? You know? And so I started diving into what is a Pharisee and what was their lifestyle and what were the things that they were really hardcore about and the things that they missed when you look at the gospels, because apparently as much as it looks like they have it, they're missing it. And like, that's, you know, if we're going to live in, you know, if we're living in a sober mindedness, we have to say that there may be times where we think we have it, but we don't. And I think the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus had a heart for the Pharisees. Ooh, I feel it. I feel tension. I don't know if you feel that, but I feel it. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. But, oh, it's just this, I want to share a story here. I feel like I'm going to have 15 episodes on this um, because I'm hashing it out in my own heart. But I wanted to invite people into this space because, you know, I could give you some five-point sermon, but whatever. Why not give you fresh bread? And I just talked about bread. But um, I feel like it's that place where you get to when you're like, okay, like... I need to look objective, and it's the invitation. There, many years ago, many years ago now, the Lord asked me, and I don't know if he talks to you all this way, but it is definitely a thing in my life. But I was reading the Bible, and I felt the Lord say, who would you not want to be? Because I think we spend a lot, as Christians, we're like, oh, man, like, freaking Paul's a boss, and, you know, like, Jesus is hello. We're like, we're all called to look like Jesus. And we think Peter, oh man, he jacked up stuff, but I can relate to him. Um, you know, we think, we think of our, ourselves through their lives and we're always talking about our favorite scriptures and our favorite passages and, you know, things that we're learning from the epistle of this or that. And so one day the Lord asked me if you, there was somebody in the Bible you didn't want to be, who would it be? And I had to sit there and I was like, well, let me think. And I sat there and I was like, oh my gosh, I would not want to be King Saul. Yeah, like I wouldn't want to be King Saul. Because, I mean, for many reasons, but one of my big reasons at that point was that he basically like wasn't a leader. Like he so feared man. He feared man so much that he did not reverence God. And then he blamed it on the people and couldn't even own up. And there's like a lot to that story. Um, But I think sometimes God is giving us the invitation um, to check our heart. And honestly, those moments, your heart could be so offended at God. (laughs) Like, he'd be like, why are you even asking? Why are you telling me to beware of the use of the Pharisees? Uh, Rude. And I'm offended. But here's the thing, like, he's always operating out of kindness. He's always operating out of love. So even though your little flesh is offended and you think he's putting out walls because he's calling you out, um, is actually him tearing down walls that are separating you and him. Ooh, help us, Holy Ghost. Help me, Holy Ghost. I could fall to my knees right now. Shonda Lahanda. And, um... The times where he is speaking specifically to you about a stature of your heart that is not yours to carry, whether it's bitterness, offense, um, disappointment, 
it is not him saying shame, shame, shame. It's him saying, I'm putting these walls down so I can come after you. And I think what is hard is that the Pharisees, they, they knew, technically, they knew everything. They knew the Bible so well. They had, I mean, you see all throughout the scriptures that Christ is constantly kind of sassing them, which I appreciate some sass, um, in saying, like, did you not read this? Did you not, you know, um, you know, like break this scripture down properly? And, you know, I would be honest. If I was the Pharisees, I'd be like, how dare him talk to me like that? Like, I have given my life, I've devoted my life to breaking down the scriptures and living the law and showing, like, living what's good and right and respectful in the eyes of the law. And here's Jesus like, did you really do it? Did you really break it down? Did you interpret this correctly? (laughs) And I'd be like, uh, offended. And the whole time, Christ is not not necessarily offending them to, to separate them. He's almost offending their flesh to tear down their walls so they can see that they're missing it. But they can't see it. They can't see it because even though they can see the Messiah himself, they are blind to him in heart. And that sucks. (laughs) It sucks so bad that you can actually be standing in front of Christ himself, the Messiah, the one that you've been praying for and preaching on and teaching about and discipling people that he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And here he is right in front of you. And you can't see him. You can't see him. So there's lots of things I can impact in that, but some things that I want to kind of like... I don't know, like kind of hit or like, wait, like, how do we stay soft? How do we, hmm, it's easy. It's easy to jump over into a heart like a Pharisee. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. I don't want to admit it, but it's true. Um, It's easy to make it about us. It's easy to say that God needs to move or he is moving and this is what it's going to look like and... If it's not what that looks like, then it's not God. Ooh, hey, I know I'm ruffling feathers. I am literally ruffling the religion inside of my heart right now. I'm like, dang it, Bobby. Um, But it's true. It's true. And it sucks, but it's real. And so in the midst of things that are happening globally and, you know, like, I, I wasn't going to say this, but I think it's it should be said. At the beginning of 2020, many people were, you know, this is a year of vision. This is a year of clarity. This is um, 2020 vision and Habakkuk 2 and write your vision down plainly. And you know what? I'm all about that. And I like, hey, I'll, I'll wear the t-shirt. But as we've lived some of 2020 out, and I think we're, we're in July, and as we're living it out, I think that nobody saw any of this coming. Nobody. And I think the real thing is, is oh, do we have God's vision? Not your own vision. And it's not because he don't want to give you vision. Because he does. But do we have his vision? Or do we have cataracts? Do we have offense? Do we have disappointments? Do we have... Um, I didn't think it was going to look like this. <laughs> um, do we have 
um, prejudices in our hearts? Do we have um, things that are tripping us up from really seeing the way that he's seeing? Because he is moving. He's moving on the earth. He's moving. He's waking people up. He's, um, he's on the move. Praise God. We've been crying out for it. But if we get caught up in the, the mindset or the heart posture of a Pharisee, we're not going to see it because it's not necessarily happening the way that we think it should or that, you know, Sister Susie 30 years ago said he was going to move. And it may not look that way. I'm not discounting Sister Susie. I'm just stating that we have to be soft and we have to follow the line of the tribe of Judah. We have to follow. And sometimes following, you don't get to know what it's going to look like. You know, we only see in part and... We should be happy that we even get a part, but most of the time we're mad because we don't see the whole picture. And that includes myself. It really, like, I, this is genuinely things that are happening in my heart. And so in Matthew 16, um, he starts to talk to the disciples. And after saying, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, they obviously realize that they don't have any bread, like, for their trip to eat. And Jesus says, you're so, like, you have so little faith. Why are you arguing with each other about having no bread? Don't you understand? Don't you remember the 5,000 I fed? Don't you remember the 4,000 I fed? And we always had leftovers. This is Shay's version. Um, and so why can't you just understand that I'm really not talking about bread? And then he says it again, beware the yeast of the Pharisee and the Sadducee. And so I want to give some practicals on how do we check our heart um what i love about here is that jesus checks the disciples by saying don't you remember that when um it looked like i couldn't do anything or it was impossible that i showed up and i remembered that there was abundance don't you remember um the things that god's done in your life that you couldn't do. Like there's no way that disciples could have multiplied bread and fish and all the things. Um, I think something that the bread of the fair, the yeast of the Pharisees kind of reduces down to is pride. Pride said, show me and prove yourself. Um, show me that you're the son of God. Show me your power through, you know, a, a miracle throw, you know, show me, um, your authority by doing this and it's pride it's pride it is absolutely pride to think that you know how he's coming and if he doesn't come that way then it's not him because if we serve a god that is big he's big enough to shake my own thought processes he's that big to um make me walk some stuff to look like him hey that'll preach um he's big enough and i you know i think it's we need to walk in humility right now honestly we need to walk in humility every freaking day not just right now in this season humility is not seasonal hey that's a word make that a t-shirt if you do make that a t-shirt please send it to me sidebar um but, but humility is not seasonal and I think it's, it's, you're never, you never graduate surrender. And in that day in my room, 
well, in the prayer room, I realized that my heart started to get hard because people started feeling more like products and, and projects to me. And like, how do I fix this? How do I do this? Instead of just loving on Jesus and because I'm loving on Jesus, he's leaking out of me and people are being changed. And I think what we need so badly um, all the time, not just in this season, are people that are willing to minister to him and not just for him. Um, because there's pride that opens up when you're just ministering for him, for him, for him all the time, you know, and we can busy ourselves like the Pharisees much and devoting ourselves to kingdom work and never really stopping to really get to know him. I'm convinced that if the Pharisees really knew him like a yada, you know, the word yada, uh, knowing him intimately, if they would have known him intimately, they would have spotted the Messiah. But because they only knew him knew him intellectually, they weren't able to see fully that they were literally standing in front of the Christ himself, you know? And so I, there's so much I want to say, but I think there's some key points is owning, owning where you are and asking yourself objectively. Ask people for feedback. It sucks. It sucks. Um, and don't just ask anybody for feedback because that's just stupid. Ask people that know you, that know your heart, but that will be honest with you and still love you for feedback. Um, how am I following? Like, what are some blind spots in my walk that you see? And be able to swallow that pill and walk it with humility um, and say, you know, I'm going to pray about these things and I'm going to see how I could grow here. And don't be defensive, like, especially if you don't want to ask him for feedback. Do not be getting crazy people. Um, second of all, wear humility like it is closer than your breath. Um, wear humility like it was actually a cloak and you were butt naked walking down the street. Wear humility. Humility will make it is makes life so great, but it makes it uncomfortable because if there's any ounce of flesh in you that wants to be seen or wants to have your name on something or once the one that gets the credit or all the things, it's going to offend that thing. That's why we are choosing to walk in humility because, you know, kindness leads to repentance. And I remember like in the midst of learning all this, the father told me, Shay, my kindness is stopping you and pulling you to the side to deal with the ugly heart of your, the ugly posture of your heart um, so that you don't have a great fall because, you know, like, Pride leads to a great fall. And so the father himself, as I laid in, in, the, in a room, came, gave me the invitation to walk out some humility and walk out being chopped up for a second uh, and being healed up to expose, to chop that pride in me and bring me into a place of healing so that I can actually follow him even better than I was. Um, and so... I, I think humility is, is beautiful because it allows for that pride to, to die. And we have to remember that we are clay pots. We're clay pots. We are fragile. We um, And he loves that about us. He loves our, our fragility. He loves um, that, that we're human. He loves our humanity. And it's in those places where we're actually living where we are, 
whether we feel dysfunctional and broken or we actually feel like, wow, I have like a, a breath of fresh air in my lungs for two seconds. He loves us. He loves us. And it, that doesn't change. His love for us does not change. And what I love about Jesus is that, you know, I was reading, where is it? I was reading literally a couple of days ago and he says, I didn't come for the healed. I came for the sick. And a Pharisee can't admit that they are sick, even though they are like a Pharisee can't admit that they have need because they figured it out. A Pharisee can't let people in. Um, a Pharisee, um, oh man, I hate saying it, but it's true. A Pharisee will critique God and not conform to God. A Pharisee will lead others to repentance, mm. but not repent themselves. Oh, I hate it because it's it's real. And as much as we, um, as much as we desire for that thing to not be in us sometimes it's in us and it's easy to to pop in there and I and I think and this is maybe how I should end this is it it's okay to admit that you struggle with some Pharisee tendencies maybe that's what I'm going to start calling them I have a tendency (laughs) um it's okay to admit that and invite God and other people in on that and let yourself be seen and known there. Um, because I think in the moment where you're like, Ooh, so much shame. Like, I can't believe I popped into that. The truth is, is we all do it. We all want the followers. We all essentially want the American dream. We want the house. We want this and we want that. We want the followers. We want the influence, you know, but the truth is, is like, it's easily turned into something. It's not, and the truth is, is you were just made to love him and love him big. And God in his mercy confronts the Pharisees. And we, again, sassy Jesus, uh, he probably didn't say it sassy, but I choose to at least read it that way. Maybe it's in my own heart that I need to deal with, but he came for those in need of him. And sometimes we don't think we have need for him because we think we figured it out. And the truth is, is that we have not figured it out. And it's okay. You were not made to figure it out. We see in part, and the part that we see is that no matter what happens on this earth, as it fades away, it's fading. It's a vapor um, that he wins. We believe that he wins at the end of this. Now, how he wins, we don't know. Uh, we know that he uses the church. He uses the bride. And it doesn't matter, essentially, how much we think she's dysfunctional. And I am a part of that dysfunction because I'm part of the bride. Um, he's going to use us. And so I want to invite us into checking our heart. Oh, man, I'm not going to lie. I'm hesitating even releasing this one. Um, but things that we can do, um, and I'm going to actually pray is to stay soft-hearted and invite him in, invite people that we trust that love God into the sphere of our heart to say some things that our flesh is not going to want to hear, but that's okay because we need the goals to look like him, which means we're going to have to offend our flesh because he doesn't look like our flesh. He doesn't love the way we love. He loves so much more, so much more scandalous, so much more full of mercy. 
um, and all the things. And so stay soft-hearted. Ask for feedback. Walk in humility. Oh, man. And I feel like I should probably do a whole thing on that because I don't even know. I feel like humility is becoming a lost trait, and it's very sad um, to walk humble. And not like a martyr. This is not a martyr syndrome. Like to actually walk in humility and stay teachable and stay moldable and know that you actually don't know. You actually need people to speak into you and to pour into you and to sharpen you and to push you forward and cheer you on. Um, And just, yeah, those are two basic but big things that we can do. And I would invite you to go study at the Pharisees and ask God to show you. Ask God to show you if there's anything in you um, that needs to be exposed Because it's his loving kindness that leads us to repentance. And honestly, if you're following him, chances are you're repenting on the frequent. Not because it's rules and regulations, but because in relationship, that's just conflict happens. (laughs) Conflict happens. And I know in my own heart, I'm like, man, like the more soft I am in heart, the more I'm like, ooh, okay. Like this is real. My heart's tender. And I want to look like him. And I want to do whatever I can on my end to make sure our communication's proper. And so sometimes there's hang-ups in my own heart. Um, <clears throat> I'll be honest, like there's there's moments where I'm, I do want to be seen. I do want credit. Um, and I hate that it's there, but hey, it's there and we're working through it. Um, but I also know the ones that get burned out the fastest have probably struggled with the very thing that I'm talking about. And so in order to be that <laughs> that the virgin that has enough oil for the bridegroom that's coming, even if he is to delay in the parable, the bridegroom delayed, that we would have enough oil because we are at his feet and we're not just showing it for a one-time second and one-time moment that the bridegroom's passing by, but that we would live from a place of oil and having oil no matter where we are, no matter how long it takes him to come, no matter... What situation we find ourselves in that we would have oil. We would have oil and it wouldn't just be intellect. That it wouldn't just be works. But that it would come from a place of knowing him intimately. That we would yadah him. You know, that we would yadah him. And it's crazy, right? Because some of y'all may think, well, like, they didn't have Jesus walking around in the Old Testament, you know. But they still knew him. Even in the midst of studying a Torah and the Pentateuch and like all these things, like they still knew him and he made himself known. And if you had eyes to see and ears to hear, you would have that. So I think that's the best way we pray is that even on the this side of the cross, we're still praying the same thing. Give me eyes to see and ears to hear. I don't want to just give him lip service. Isaiah talks about. You just give me lip service. And it's quoted in regards to the Pharisees. You just give me lip service. Oh, God, I don't want to be a part of a generation that's just giving you lip service to see what you'll do for us. I don't want to sit in the posture of my heart saying, prove yourself. I just want to know who you are because we're friends. And friends don't have to prove themselves because I yada you. I know you. I know your heart. I know your kindness. I know your goodness. And so 
I just want to end in prayer. God, I, I ask, Lord, for anybody watching, I ask for myself that you would continue to soften our hearts, that we would not elevate intellect, that we would not elevate um, things that look good and have the appearance of godliness, but are actually just for our own pride. Ooh, Jesus, I ask that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see today and every day, God. And I ask that humility would not be seasonal, God, that we would not even look for a season where we're elevated, but that we would so remain humble, that we would so remain walking in humility, that we wouldn't even know that you're actually using our lives for something so much bigger than ourselves. God, I ask that you would bring people into our lives to speak truth, to give us beautiful feedback. More than anything, God, I ask that you would yadah us and every person who's listening, that you would yadah them, that you would know them, and that their heart would be to yadah you, to know you intimately, and that we wouldn't get it twisted, that we wouldn't get it twisted, that we would know that we're just called to minister to you, not just for you, hmm, that we're supposed to just be lovers of you, and unlike the Pharisee, that we wouldn't elevate our works and our deeds above our actual relationship. And that, God, we I believe, I believe every person listening believes that you're moving right now. And it's probably not the way we thought you were going to move. But we know it's you and that you're in it all. And I mean that globally. So there's a lot taking place even outside of America. And God, I believe you're in all of it. And I pray that as a church, we would have eyes to see and ears to hear, God, in a heart that's seeking you, not pretending to know the answer, but legitimately seeking you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for listening. Um, I, again, this was completely off the cuff, um, and I appreciate your grace to listen and, and to really... Yeah, just take a second, take your time and listen. Um, if you have any feedback on or thoughts, honestly, on the Pharisee and, and things that God's speaking to you or things like that, please don't hesitate to shoot me an email. Um, you can do that at shayarthur08 at gmail.com. S-H-A-Y-A-R-T-H-U-R at gmail.com. Oh, there's a zero eight and then at gmail.com. Oops. <laughs> but anyways, um, thank you guys for listening. I'm sure I'll be putting out some more stuff about just different things going on in my heart. I've really loved interviewing people. I have people um, that I'm getting asked to interview um, and vice versa. But I really just feel the Father's heart to kind of just share my own heart on here. So thank you for taking this journey with me. And I pray that you have an amazing day or not, depending on where you are. <laughs>